Welcome to Your Financial Planet podcast with David Valliere and the Synergy Capital Solutions team. This is the show that brings you synergistic financial strategies to help you enjoy the fullness of today and empower your next generation. Join us for this journey to help you synergize your finances. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Your Financial Planet. As always, I'm your host, David Valliere, and today we are going to talk about what's going on in the markets. We're going to do our third quarter market update. So we're asking Eric Nahat to join us. Eric, welcome back. Great to be back. So before we get into that, uh, big news with you personally. Care to share with our listeners what's been going on? Oh, yeah. So I got uh, married last month. It's been an absolute blast. Um, Everything that we could have ever wished for. So a lot of time with with family and friends and, and very, very fortunate. Yeah, we're super excited for you guys. Thank you. Um, So very cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk economics. I know our listeners are curious. There's been a lot of moving parts in a lot of different areas and for good reason. So let's talk about it. Let's just jump right into economics. What happened in this last quarter? Yeah, I'd say uh, probably a bit less fun than uh, than, than than getting married. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's not been a, a great quarter for economic data and, and of course markets. Um, starting in la- late April, uh, U.S. GDP numbers for the first quarter were released, uh, which surprised to the downside. Um, GDP declined at a one point four percent annualized pace in the first quarter below expectations for a a 1% gain. Since then, expectations for a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of of negative GDP growth, have risen, though it's tough to say on timing. The biggest headline has been inflation. It's been strong throughout the year, and, and the Federal Reserve has been working to rein it in. We believe it will slow, but perhaps a, a couple of quarters later than when, when we first thought. Last week, uh, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates 75 basis points, or 0.75%, to try to combat that that now sticking and ingrained inflation. Um, higher interest rates in general put a strain on the economy, so it, with financial conditions tightening, there are now signs of growth cooling. Okay, so we've got this, this inflationary trend. We've got maybe some signs of recession higher interest rates. Let's talk about what you're looking at as things are slowing and as we're looking forward. Yeah, good question. One area that we look at is the U.S. consumer. The U.S. consumer is the the biggest driver of growth globally. And so that's one area that we pay close attention to. That consumer has been weakening. Uh, Consumer sentiment is now at an all-time low, largely linked to that inflation, especially with gas prices and housing costs. Consumer spending counts for about 70% of economic activities. So a a worried consumer who now spends less is is bad for growth. Uh, Also, as borrowing gets more expensive, shoppers tend to to slow their spending and shift more uh, towards savings their cash, which is also bad for growth. Um, On top of that, we've seen consumer credit surge as well as mortgage rates surge toward 6%. Uh, The housing market looks to have reacted Quickly to that, with real residential investment uh, appearing to have fallen pretty noticeably in the first quarter, global supply chains have still been an issue. Some industries are still struggling to hire the help that they need in terms of workers. 
we don't know second quarter GDP numbers yet, but the Atlanta Fed's tracking estimate for second quarter real GDP is 0% uh, quarter over quarter annualized. Though if the numbers surprise to the downside again, uh, we would technically be in a recession right now. All of that paints a, a pretty bleak picture for the economic recovery, though there are still some positives. Overall, the economy uh, appears to still have maintained decent momentum, despite that tightening in financial conditions. The financial system, which uh, of course was a huge issue in the Great Recession, is still very healthy. Consumers, though weakening a bit, are still quite healthy. So looking back, things don't look necessarily great, but there was a lot of positive momentum supporting it. The real question is, what does it look like going forward? Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the health of the overall economy. Although we're looking at recessionary trends, the health is still strong. So that's a really good point. So mm -hmm. let's talk about what's next. What do you see around the corner here? As the Federal Reserve raises rates, it often takes time to impact the real economy. So we expect additional moderation in growth over time. The big question is, uh, does this quick financial tightening push us into the recession? Or can the Federal Reserve engineer a soft landing where the economy slows to a more sustainable pace, but avoids recession? Uh, businesses and consumers both expect a recession and odds of a U.S. recession are rising sharply, I'd say given one, that poor consumer confidence I mentioned, two, those sharply higher interest rates, three, for now, sticky inflation, four, plunging consumer real net worths, and then five, an unfolding profit recession for companies, which is likely to be worsened by the deteriorating international backdrop as well as a strong dollar. Uh, Looking forward, as interest rates are going up, business spending is likely to slow significantly uh, against that poor backdrop, uh, further slowing wage gains and job gains. And, and we are seeing layoffs just starting to rise, uh, especially in, in areas like the tech space and eventually slowing capital expenditures or, or, or investment by companies, though uh, probably with that, not until 2023. We expect inflation to remain strong in the coming months and stay above Federal Reserve target on, on say, a year-ago basis through the end of next year, though I think it will moderate pretty noticeably, which could eventually allow the Federal Reserve to, to pause that rate hike cycle we've now embarked on. Um, with a, a tight labor market and the economy dealing with, with shocks of, of tighter financial conditions and higher food and energy prices, recession risks, uh, as I mentioned, are, are notable as we think about the, the next few years. Internationally, I would say it looks like a recession may be more unavoidable in Europe. Uh, European electricity and natural gas prices have quadrupled, uh, and, and Europe's facing a massive producer price shock. Uh, obviously, the Russia invasion of, of Ukraine has had a huge effect there. Domestically, uh, so within the US, I would say odds are 50-50 that we see a recession in the next 12 months and more likely than not that we see a recession over the next two years, uh, though there's no guarantee as to exactly when that is or, or how deep or shallow that potential recession could be. Uh, base expectations are that we still see flat to low growth in 2022, but of course, recession odds have risen there. Uh, the key is for inflation to peak and come down quickly. If you view 
COVID stimulus, so record low interest rates and, and the government handing out piles of cash uh, as a big party, we're, we're now in that COVID hangover phase. So um, paying for some uh, of that easing the next day. Uh, as supply chain imbalances get better, we could see inflation come down. Uh, also, as companies continue to invest in technology, especially domestically, as some of these companies start to come back to from uh, abroad and producing in the U.S., that increases productivity, which is, is deflationary in, in nature. Even if we do see a recession, I think the overall economy and, and financial systems much healthier than an 0809 scenario. Uh, up until this point, the U.S. consumer has remained in, in excellent shape. Uh, demand has been strong. Consumer leverage or debt service ratios have come up from record lows, but are still better than almost any point in the last 40 years. Unemployment rates are low at 3.6%. Businesses are healthy. Uh, both consumers and businesses still have plenty of savings uh, after the last few years. Um, overall, uh, data is weakening, but we had a pretty strong base and our longer term, say three to five year outlook still positive. Okay, great. So we we have this view from you know sort of 30,000 feet on the economy. I want to dive into stocks and bonds here in a second, but just a couple of things that stood out for me there. As you mentioned, it, we might see this negative influence in the markets or negative feedback from the markets, I should say, for the next 12 months to two years. And it, coming up next month, I'm going to talk with, with Alex Burns about planning and sort of the fundamentals of planning. Really making sure we have cash reserves available so that we're not pulling out at negative times is really important. That's why a plan is so important. And I just wanted to kind of throw that in there as I'm thinking about you know, what's ahead and how we help people. Um, let's just dive into the details of this. So we've talked about what's going on with the economy. Let's get into the details of what has happened with, with stocks or what we call equities and how that's shaped out for us. Equity markets uh, obviously did not like that economic uncertainty. As of, uh, say, this recording, S&P 500 is down roughly 24%, uh, NASDAQ down roughly 32%. And internationally, both developed and emerging markets down close to 20%. So bear markets uh, across the board, and, and most of that pullback all happened this quarter. It's, it's actually been the, the second worst ever start to a year for equity investors, uh, with the worst being 1932. Yeah, we definitely felt it. And I think after coming off of some pretty strong markets, it was a shock for a lot of people. So have all these markets performed the same? Fill me in there. Break it down a little bit for me. Uh, I would say energy, given high oil and gas prices, uh, has been an extreme outperformer. Outside of that, there's really been nowhere to hide as valuations crash down. In, in a in a fast-rising interest rate environment and with slowing GDP growth, uh, there are more question marks. And when there's more question marks, the multiples that people are willing to pay for earnings uh, or returns decrease. That's why we've seen earnings uh, for companies actually continue to grow right now in the mid-single digits, with the downside being driven by that multiple compression rather than downward earnings revisions or, or companies' earnings going down, given that the economy could continue to slow and that earnings uh, have not moved downward yet, there could be more pressure in the market in, in, in the short term uh, because of that. But uh, as of right now, we're still seeing companies make money. 
So talk to our listeners about how this is impacting, you know, how we're thinking about our portfolios as an investment committee uh, right now. Sure. So entering the year for clients in the, the distribution phase or people who are taking money out, we raise cash to support those distributions. So timing has worked well there. And, and you mentioned keeping a, a cash reserve. Um, fully, fully agree with that. And it's something that we use and employ in, in our portfolios, uh, especially for those distribution phase clients. Since then, we've made a number of trades this quarter to help protect uh, against a high inflation environment. We've had an overweight to energy in portfolios, and that's been an area where we've been able to raise cash for distributions from if needed. We've added names that we think will have less volatile earnings outlooks in a recession, as well as increased exposure to, to sectors we think will do well in this current environment, as well as coming out of a bear market. For our taxable accounts, we've been active in tax swapping or, or realizing losses on certain securities while maintaining similar exposure. So effectively resetting the cost basis on those holdings and having a positive tax impact there. Lastly, for clients with cash to invest, uh, we've been dollar cost averaging or phasing into markets as the markets pull back. So I would say overall for us, uh, this has been a pretty active quarter as we've looked to add safety and take advantage of uh, the down uh, the opportunities that the down markets provided. I know uh, I end up mentioning this each time, but it's important for us to have a level of diversification and, and global exposure. So we continue to own high quality stocks that can be an anchor during times of volatility like these, but also we've had opportunistic exposure to some of the more cyclical areas of the market. So even in times like today with markets down, we own a, a number of positions, especially in the energy and healthcare space that have outperformed pretty significantly. Okay. So let's peek around the corner for stocks. What do you see? What's next for equities here? With all the, the poor headlines and worsening economic data, I'm sure there's investors out there second-guessing why they own stocks. Uh, obviously not a fun experience to be an investor in times like this. Given the pullback we've had, I think equities are a lot more attractive from a risk-reward perspective than when we entered the year, especially on, say, that, that three to five-year time horizon. For example, S&P 500 is now trading below long-term averages in terms of valuations. In the short term, it's impossible to tell if we hit the bottom of the market or not. I think we're more there than not, but it's always impossible to call that bottom of the market in the short term. Um, there is a possibility of a corporate profit recession, which in my mind is more likely short term than an economic recession. One of our uh, economists, strategists, had a really good point that stood out about, about companies right now. Remember hand sanitizer buying during the pandemic, right? Everyone rushed to stockpile it, uh, fearing a similar fate of supply uncertainty. Companies that strategists talked to in the past few weeks are the same thing. They stockpiled inventories. Demand was pulled forward throughout all the economy. Um, if that stockpiling is through, supply chains will be able to catch up, monitoring prices and inflation, but then also causing companies to have to, to discount items. Understood. Okay, that's good. Yeah, thinking about something you said, uh, post-COVID hangover, I like the way that, that Mark mm -hmm. Burns put it the other day. He said post-COVID trauma throughout <laughs> the supply chain. It really is. Yeah. It's a real thing. So I like that. I don't like it, but I like the, the phrase. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so given all that you viewed, what's the opportunity you're looking for? 
to me, it's important to remember that markets recover before much of the economic data, just like how they pull back significantly before the data got worse. Uh, earlier, I mentioned that consumer sentiment is at an all-time low. It, it may seem counterintuitive, but historically, that has been a great time to invest uh, more in equities as forward returns from that point have typically been very solid. We still prefer quality, profitability, stability, uh, realized growth in types of companies we own. We are big fundamental investors. Uh, we're still seeing strong corporate liquidity and fundamentals there. Uh, that means businesses can continue to invest in capital, refill inventory, look to return funds to shareholders and participate in M&A. Overall, in a higher inflation environment and with consumers still healthy financially and really the whole financial banking system healthy, uh, we remain overweight equities and portfolios versus bonds. As always, uh, diversification remains key. Um, we want to have exposure to U.S. stocks and international stocks. Um, for example, though we're more comfortable with outlook in the U.S., uh, valuations remain attractive for both emerging market and developed market stocks. So we own exposure there, even though we're underweight. Uh, we also want to have exposure to growth stocks and value stocks, as, as well as exposure to high quality stocks with strong cash flows and competitive advantages, as well as uh, recovery holdings, um, such as um, energy and, and financials and the travel sectors. At the end of the day, from a, a long-term planning perspective, uh, you need to have stock ownership to, to keep pace with inflation and support spending later in life. The goal is to stay invested, uh, ride out the volatility, uh, and not be panicked or, or a forced seller. You want to be uh, opportunistic when others are fearful. Yeah, and I think it's just really important to reiterate that timing in the market is just not a viable strategy. Exactly. So really good point there. Hey, let's change the conversation just a little bit. Still investments here, but I want to talk about bonds or what we call in the industry fixed income. Fill our listeners in. What happened here? We continued to, to hold bond positions where appropriate as ballast uh, or for safety in portfolios, but core fixed income has continued to struggle this year, now down uh, about 11.5% year-to-date and 6% this quarter as inflation remained and, and interest rate expectations rose. Um as I mentioned, the Federal Reserve recently raised interest rates by 75 basis points and is now doing everything in their power to try to restore price stability. Uh, on the fixed income side, we've seen credit spreads widen uh, a bit, meaning that more risky bonds are pricing in a higher default risk when compared to credit uh, risk-free bonds. But spreads are, are nowhere near levels typically seen during recessions. In preparation for the, these rising rates in that uh, before all-time low interest rate environment, uh, we've had our portfolios positioned with a much shorter duration or exposure to interest rate change than the broader market, which has helped them outperform in, in that rising interest rate environment we've seen. Um, we've taken advantage of the price movements from a tax perspective and, and taxable accounts uh, by swapping holdings uh, to different ones that have similar exposure, uh, but allowing us to realize losses on the positions. Um, so we've had a positive impact on the tax perspective there. And we've also 
added to areas of, of fixed income markets that may outperform in a rising uh, interest rate environment. And so uh, perhaps underweighting that core investment grade fixed income that has struggled so much in and uh, overweighting areas such as floating rate preferred stocks or income generating exchange traded funds and, and active managers that can move quickly in this kind of environment. Okay. So what do you see next for fixed income? What's around the corner? We said entering the year in January that that real interest rates looked to be too low for an economy that was growing solidly and seeing accelerating inflation. Since then, obviously, inflation's been out of control, uh, annualized at 8.6% as of the end of May. So now getting inflation down is the Fed's most important task. Uh, We expect them to continue to raise rates until they get that under control, Um, given our expectation for rising rates, uh, we continue to maintain a, that shorter average duration or exposure to interest rate change in portfolios. But we'll also continue to look for areas uh, for alternative or enhanced income, such as high yield bonds, option strategies, and preferred stocks. And then lastly, uh, uh, in portfolios where appropriate, we've had a bond ladder that allows us to, to better manage that, that interest rate risk and then uh, in the future reinvest at the higher interest rates that we're seeing. So uh, overall, uh, fixed income, expect to continue to struggle as interest rates uh, go up. From a long-term perspective, uh, I would say feel a, a more comfortable with equities on a risk return uh, perspective than, than fixed income, but um, it all depends on the plan. It's important to have a level of diversification between the two and a balance between the two. Yeah. And as you said earlier, it it provides a ballast Mm -hmm. in a portfolio. So, all right. So a lot of moving parts here, wrap it up, tie a bow on this for me. And for listeners, what is your general thought process here? Mm -hmm. As always, uh, you don't want to let emotion cloud judgment, which which gets harder and harder in, in times like these, right? We very truly understand that these can be scary times for people financially. The key is to focus on logic and on the long-term planning. There's always going to be uncertainty when it comes to investing, especially in the short term. We expect more variability uh, among returns and stocks, but this is also a much more attractive entry point than it was six months ago uh, on a risk-reward basis. Um, As we both talked about, uh, we continue to believe that timing the markets not a viable strategy. And instead, we continue to abide by predetermined strategic asset allocation and rebalancing approaches. That means you should not wait to try to find the the exact bottom for the market, but instead with new cash uh, should be integrated by dollar cost averaging or phasing in uh, to the market over time. Great. Thank you so much, Eric. We really appreciate your time and your thoughts. For listeners, if you are a client and you need to get a hold of anyone on the Synergy team, you can always reach out to us at hello, H-E-L-L-O, at Synergy Capital Solutions. If you're not a client and you don't have a plan or you'd like a second opinion, please feel free to reach out us to us at hello at Synergy Capital Solutions as well. Uh, this podcast and all of our contact information, information about our team, et cetera, can be reached on our website, synergycapitalsolutions.com. Please subscribe and share. And as always, I'm your host, David Vallier, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Planet, the Synergize Your Capital podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.
Synergy Capital Solutions is a financial planning and investment management firm registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. And with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Synergy Capital Solutions and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Synergy Capital Solutions and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisors before establishing a retirement plan.